Welcome to the Hypnotic Healers Podcast, your home for insights and insider knowledge about hypnotic change work. With your hosts, control practitioners and hypnotists, Nicole Mazzucato and Anthony Gitch. Hello, hello. Welcome back to this episode of Hypnotic Healers. My name is Nicole Mazzucato, and as always, I'm here with my awesome co-host, Anthony. Just before we kick off this episode, our usual disclaimer, neither Anthony nor I, nor our fabulous guests for today are doctors, physicians, psychiatrists, or psychologists. So please do not make any changes to any treatments or medication that you're on based on what you hear in this conversation. Take what you like, leave the rest, and make sure you leave us an awesome review and share us with your friends. Hello, Anthony. Hello, my love. How are you? I'm getting really good at that. <laughs> yes, you are. I'm so happy for you. Today, everybody, I am super happy to uh, let everybody know that we've got a great guy on on board. His name is Michael DeShallot. Um, I met Michael several several years ago at HypnoThoughts through other people, most uh, recognizably our good friend Dan Candell. Um, but Michael stands alone in a lot of the things that he does, and so that's why we wanted to have him on the show so he could kind of we could all kind of get to know him a little bit and find out exactly how he does what he does and why he does it. So Michael, why don't you start by telling us how you got into this? You know, um, first of all, thank you guys for having me on this. I'm very excited about this actually. Um, it was the welcome uh, bit. We just jumped over. Yeah, yeah, I know. And we just kind of just jumped over all that stuff, but, uh, um, no. So here's how I got started. Um, I actually started off before I was a hypnotist, I was a magician. And uh, I was doing magic shows. I had illusions and had a full illusion show, a comedy magic show. I did close-up strolling magic. And um, uh, one day I was uh, coming back from Air Cargo. I was just picking up a brand new $7,000 illusion I just purchased. And that, that's kind of important information that'll come to play later on in the story. And so it came in two packing crates and it weighed 350 pounds. So I, uh, I was pulled into the driveway and I called my wife inside the house. I said, hey, honey, come and help me unload the illusion. Um, I'm here. And so while I was waiting for her, I went out to the mailbox and there was a, a, a magazine in the mailbox and it was a magic magazine. I subscribed to about seven of those. And I opened up to right to the centerfold because that's what boys do. They open up right to the centerfold. And yeah. uh, so they can see that, you know, the dirty picture inside in the middle of the of the naked illusion that they want to buy now. And so so it was I wanted to see what was being offered, you know, for sale because I just spent seven thousand dollars. Why not spend more? Right. So um, <clears throat> and there was there it was. It hit me. It was an ad that said magicians. And I went, that's me. Are you tired of carrying those heavy illusions? And I went, <laughs> what? It's like it knows. I thought it was on candid camera or something, right? And it said, would you like to walk into a show carrying nothing but a briefcase or a bag? And I went, yes, I would. Um, and, and it said, would you like to travel the world and have your clients pay for it? I'm like, yes, I would. And so it said, you can learn all the secrets of stage hypnotism taught by Orman McGill, Jerry Valley, Tommy V, a host of other trainers. And, uh, and so I went, this is what I want to do. I always wanted to be a ventriloquist, but my lips never stopped moving. So that doesn't work. I always wanted to be a pickpocket, but I, I just, you know, I don't have the patience for that, you know, an entertainment pickpocket, not a, like a real thief. Um, but that takes a lot of dexterity and practice. And let's just face it, I'm lazy. So, um, so then uh, it's, I, I always wanted to be a hypnotist. And I didn't really know what that was all about, but I, I, I wanted to be that. So long story short, the wife came out and I said, look, honey, I could be a hypnotist. And it's only $1,500. I sort of mumbled the price, you know, because I didn't want her to really, you know, I just spent $7,000, right? Which she approved, by the way. I just want, just for the record, she approved that. And so she goes, well, it wouldn't be the first uh, $1,500 you wasted on something stupid. So go, go for it. I'm like, okay, so I will take that as a very supportive yes. And no, she didn't say that. She said, well, if that's what you want to do. She is very supportive on what I do. So I, I signed up for the training and boom, you know, three months later, I was a stage hypnotist. And uh, I booked my very first show uh, a week after I got done with the training for the wow. following week. So I was like fresh out of the starting blocks and I hit the ground running and, and that's kind of how it all began. So wow. cool story. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Did so you want to know how this, do you want to know how the show went? Yeah. Go on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So yeah, it's yeah. Cause this is a great story. I booked, now, now think about this. I, I am, I am a guy and, and I booked my very first show at a sorority, a college sorority with a hundred hot college girls. 
And I'm thinking, this is really cool, you know, hey, and I'm old enough to be their dad. So anyways, um, so I booked the show at this college sorority and and I I practiced everything. And my, my dad was there to videotape in the back. And my agent who booked me actually showed up because he wanted to run sound for me that day. And I'm like, OK, sure. Um, so, you know, I had no, no pressure at all. No pressure at all. First show. And my agent did not know it was my first show, by the way. So I get up there and I, I do my little pre-talk and I get some volunteers. Here's 12 chairs, boom, filled just like that. Without even any hesitation, girls just rushed the stage. I filled 12 chairs. I did a word perfect induction. I did Jerry Valley's stage hypnosis induction, word perfect. And I was feeling a little cocky at this point because I was watching the girls kind of get really relaxed. And so at the very end, I just gestured with my hand over the over the panel of volunteers and I said, sleep, and all their heads dropped. And I'm thinking, this stuff really works. Oh my God. And I was so excited. And then a girl in the audience hiccuped. And then three girls around her started to giggle. And then the remaining 97 girls around them started to laugh. And every one of the 12 volunteers popped out of hypnosis, looked up, stood up and walked back to their chairs in the audience. So I had to think quick. And being a stage performer for, you know, 10 years before that, I kind of knew how to think quick on stage. So I said, well, ladies, what you just witnessed was a demonstration of how easy it is to go into hypnosis. Now let's fill these chairs again. And let's get the show going. And I had no idea where that came from, but I literally pulled that out of my butt. And so, but it, it was there. And so I said it and, um, and, and I got 11 of the 12 girls that originally volunteered. They raised their hand. They go, can we go back up there again? Now, I was feeling pretty good about this now at this point now, even though I was like going to die a little bit inside. <laughs> um, I said, well, normally I wouldn't allow you to come up here again. But since, you know, I wouldn't I let them come up again. They're already hypnotized, right? So I, I said 11 of the 12. I got a new girl up there. She saw what the other 11 was happening to them. So she dropped in hypnosis real quickly. And I had a great show. The moral of the story is at the end of the show, uh, my dad never figured out how to turn the video camera on. And uh, so we have no video of this. <laughs> and uh, my agent walked up to me and he goes, you know, he goes, that was a good show. He goes, uh, but I've never seen a hypnotist do like, like a trial run, you know, before they really get into the show, like a demonstration. I'm like, you know, I do all my shows that way. <laughs> I turned around and walked away. He did not know that was the only show I'd ever done. <laughs> so there you go. There's, there's a story of my my entrance into the world of hypnotism amazing i love it i love it so is that is that um so you obviously did stage stuff and and entertainment stuff before you got into a more therapeutic side of things yes yes um and and actually that stage show was the catalyst for me to go back and get training in clinical um, I never really thought I would do clinical hypnosis. As a matter of fact, I never even thought that I, I never even thought about it to think about it, that I wouldn't do clinical hypnosis. Um, I never in my wildest imagination, you know, 20 years ago, what, if you all said to me, Hey, you should try hypnosis. It's really cool. I would think you guys are like those foo-foo voodoo and witchcraft people, aren't you? You know, the wave crystals and stuff and all that voodoo and witchcraftery. And, and I never really would have considered it. Although, I didn't know this, but I was doing it all along in suggestibility and magic shows and things like that. So at that very first show, two girls came up to me at the end of the show and they said, um, you know, we saw what you did to those girls up there. We saw how you, what you make them do. Can you make us quit smoking? Now, listen to that languaging that they used. So I realized I had to, first of all, straighten out their language. And I said, well, I really didn't make them do anything. I suggested it. Um, and I don't know that I can make you quit smoking because really I'm a stage hypnotist. I'm not a clinical hypnotist, but let me refer you to somebody here. I was in Tucson, in Tucson that could do that for you, that can help you to become a non-smoker. Um, and Orman and Tommy and Jerry used to even tell us this in training that whenever you're doing a show someplace, pick up a phone book or get on the internet and do a Google search and see who the hypnotists are in the area. Invite them to your show if they want to come. If not, then if somebody asks you for help in the area, um, this is before internet hypnosis, before online hypnosis, virtual hypnosis. So refer those people to those hypnotists and do, do a good deed for another hypnotist. And so that's exactly what I did. 
And then it, it triggered a, a question in my mind, though. It's like, you know what? I missed an opportunity, number one, to make money, but that's not really the opportunity. The opportunity was I looked at these two beautiful young ladies who were killing themselves with smoke by smoking. And I missed an opportunity to where I could have potentially saved their lives. So I immediately went back and uh, became trained as a clinical hypnotist. Right, right on, right yeah. on. Yeah. I, so, I like that it was part of your training, you know, this kind of incorporated into your training, support the rest of the community. Absolutely. Yeah. And so now how much of your business is clinical kind of work and how much of your business is stage work? Um, I would say as far as um, if you had to break it down, I would say probably, and depending on the time of the year, like if I'm out doing after prom and grad night shows, I'm pretty busy during that season. There's also school conferences in there and fairs and festivals. So I limit my clients, my online clients that time because I'm just too busy or I'm exhausted from doing two shows or three shows a night, every night of the week. And so um, at, at times it's, it almost shuts down my clinical business. At times my clinical business is 90% of the work that I do. So it varies, but on, on an average, I would say it's about 70, 30, um, 70, 30 mix, 70% stage and 30% clinical. Uh, but that does vary from, from time to time. Right on. And how often, I know that you are part of the ICBCH um, and you are a trainer for them. Yeah. And so yes. how often do you offer trainings for people? Um, it varies. Um, you mentioned Dan Kandel is how, how we kind of got to meet. Um, Dan Kandel and I do a couple trainings a year, usually in normal times when we're not in a pandemic. Um, we do a couple of live trainings a year. We'll do maybe a clinical training and then we'll do a stage training. We alternate a little bit because, you know, we, we do both. Um, so it, it varies though, uh, during the internet, we've done some online training together, uh, some refresher courses, a certification training. We didn't do a stage training. Um, I work with people, hypnotists that, that are clinical hypnotists who want to become stage hypnotists. I work with them sometimes privately online because they already understand hypnosis, so I kind of fill in the pieces that they're missing to do stage. So it's very customized and tailored. So um, it, it's, it's two, three or four times a year that, that we'll do some sort of formal training, whether it be online or in person. Right on, right on. Oh, so I see you do quite a bit of work with schools and colleges. Um, tell us, tell us a bit about, tell us a bit about that. Sure. You know, I, before I became a magician, uh, I was working in schools as, as a fundraiser. So <clears throat> in America, we have, you know, these school fundraisers that are happening, you know, 30 times a year on any campus, you know, getting the kids to sell gift wrap and cookie dough and cheese and sausage and bath products and candles uh, just to raise money for their, for their school groups, uh, like band and sports and things like that. And so I was working in the schools as a fundraising representative. So I was doing a lot of work in the schools and I realized I love working with kids and didn't were like working as much with candles and gift wrap and cookie dough. And so I shifted and started doing motivational magic shows in schools. Yeah, I shifted and, and, and did a bunch of motivational magic shows in schools where there's, you know, part motivational message, part magic show, inspirational, motivational, educational, and fun. And, uh, and then that when I became a hypnotist, stage an easy uh um you know transition to get into doing have come along the way as well too with um doing either presentations about hypnosis or you know doing hypnosis shows nice what was i really like that that what was that edu uh educational motivational what was that that you just said um educational motivational inspirational and fun Nice. I like that. Yeah. That's a mouthful. <laughs> You've got that down I to find out up right now. Yeah. No, I've said that. I've said that a few times before. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Great. So now if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, you relocated to Las Vegas from Arizona, is it? Yes. Yes. Uh, about three and a half years ago, um, we decided to, uh, 
to move to a city that never stops, that never shuts down, that never closes until you get into pandemic and then it shuts down. But yeah. uh, <laughs> we're back though. We're open again. We're open again. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I look back and I go, I can't believe it's been three and a half years already. And, and it was really sort of, uh, we, we did want to move to a city that was fun. We love entertainment. We love shows. We love good restaurants. And so we love the nightlife. So that was one of the determining factors. Um, we wanted to get out of Arizona and we wanted a place that had a really good airport because with all the flying I do for shows, Tucson isn't the best airport to get in and out of. There's only one direct flight out of Tucson, and that's to Phoenix. And that's where you have to change planes to go anyplace else in the world. And so um, it's just really hard to uh, to get around from Tucson. So it was kind of an economical decision, too, for that and a business strategy decision. Um, and then, fortunately, um, uh, about two years ago, I was asked to be a part of a hypnosis show in Vegas produced by Don Barnhart, another stage hypnotist called Hypnomania. And I did that for about three months. We were ramping up the show and just getting it built up. And then the pandemic hit. So, so there you go. And <laughs> are you guys going to bring that back? I became a Vegas headliner and then it ended. What's that? <laughs> are you guys going to bring it back? Uh, yes, we are hopefully hoping to bring it back. Hypnosis shows in Vegas are not coming back very quickly because of the social distancing requirements we still have in Nevada. But um as a magician too, Don, Don just opened up another show called the house of magic. And I just, uh, I just headlined that a couple of weeks ago and we'll be back on that show in uh, February, March, and April. So uh-huh. I'm still, you know, I'm actually lucky now because I'm being able to headline in Vegas as a magician and a hypnotist. Very good. So, kind of worked out well. Nice. Nice. So how, how have you been? Cause if, if, you know, a big part of your business is, is the stage stuff, how has the pandemic impacted on you and what have you done sort of throughout the pandemic to compensate for, for that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the first nine months were probably difficult because, um, I had to do shows in my living room with the family every night and, and quite honestly, after a couple of weeks, they really didn't want to do it anymore. Um, so I just kept them in a hypnosis for the other the other seven months. And uh, um, it worked out well. Uh, I polished a bunch of routines and, and wrote some new ones while I was at it. Uh, no, actually, the first nine months were horrible for all stage hypnotists and most entertainers. Um, and, and then it sort of opened back up depending upon where in the country uh, you were going to perform at. States like Texas, they basically, they didn't really think the pandemic existed. So I did a couple of shows in Texas and Iowa was kind of open too. Uh, so we were able to start doing some shows after about nine months. Um, it wasn't anywhere the frequency that we were used to doing before. So that's when I shifted most of my business to clinical and online work and trainings. Right on. So you, you did what I, you know, it's been interesting. Um, Even at HypnoThoughts, I talked to a lot of folks about it this year that for an industry, for a bunch of people who are in an industry that helps people to see beyond their limitations and beyond the barriers and obstacles that are presented to us, I was amazed at how many of them were so stuck behind them when the pandemic hit and mm-hmm. were unable to pivot and <laughs> utilize the tools that they present to other people for themselves. Um, it's been really interesting. And I think it was kind of a thinning of the herd almost. Um, and and it's, it's, it's been an interesting phenomena, I think, uh, of what's kind of happened in our industry. You know, that is true. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, the first week of the lockdown, um, it was May 15th. Um, um, yeah, I'm sorry, March 15th, 2020, at uh, precisely 7 p.m., I walked off stage of Hypnomania, and one of the comics who opened for me that night said, you know, don't be surprised if Vegas doesn't lock down. And I'm like, what? Are you crazy? And when that happened the next day, March 16th, 2020, and we went into a three-month lockdown, um, to a fetal position, yelled, screamed, and cried a lot. And, and wondered what the hell I was going to do because my whole identity and my whole livelihood was just stripped from me. 
Mm-hmm. And then the following week, I started getting all the cancellations for after prom and grad night shows I had for that season and fairs. I literally lost over $100,000 worth of business and over 80 shows on a nationwide tour in a matter of a week. So I was, how do we say this in clinical terms, a freaking basket case. <laughs> yeah, see, and I but didn't have that you, experience. Mm-hmm. So I guess that that is, that's a big eye opener for me because I didn't have mm-hmm. that kind of an experience. I had clients I needed to cancel, but not hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of mm. bookings that I was like all of a sudden saying goodbye to. Hadn't considered that. So that's, wow, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, and, and it was an identity killer. I mean, like I, mm-hmm. I finally got to be after what was that? 54 years of being on this planet. I finally got to live my dream of being a Vegas headliner. And then it was all taken away. Right. And, and so it was a real kick to the um, shins. And so, um, so in reality, I had to go into my toolbox and figure out what I needed to do to help myself first. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think it was within probably about a week and a half or two weeks of the lockdown that I taught a class um, on how to do virtual hypnosis, because I realized a lot of our colleagues were relegated to working in offices and they didn't do virtual hypnosis. Said no idea how to use a platform that would allow, allow them to do that. You know, I mean, of course we had Zoom, um, which has now become you know a common name in every household, which wasn't at the time though. Um, right. It was it was fairly new. No, a lot of people didn't know about Zoom and, and let alone scheduling and online and how do you build people and how do you do this and how do you do mm-hmm. that? And if you can't touch them, how do you do a suggestibility test? And so so I taught a class to some of our colleagues on how to do that, because I fortunately I made the transition to virtual when I moved to Vegas. So, yeah. So I was I was actually going to ask you. So so okay the pandemic hits you lose all of that business and you kind of curl up in a fetal position for for a week and a half 10 days whatever it is it's it's I've had this conversation recently with a number of colleagues and it's like you know sometimes we feel that because we're training people and helping people to improve their minds and and the way they think about things and how they how they feel about things sometimes you know practitioners can feel like oh I need to be I need to feel okay you know all the time I've got all of these tools in my toolbox sometimes it's just really difficult to reach into that toolbox when you're in that thing yourself. Right. So how did you, you know, what's your go-to? Do you reach into your own toolbox? Do you reach out for help from, from somebody else? Like how did you cope with that? Yeah. um, That is a great question. And, you know, I am, I guess I'm not very good at reaching inside. And I think most of us are the same way when we're in that, in that pain, Mm. Um, it's, it's like, you know, if you want to do pain management on yourself, but you're in so much pain, you can't concentrate and focus long enough to go into hypnosis to help the pain. Uh, I get it. I totally get it. And that's how it was. I was in emotional pain and I was too far deep in the rabbit hole that I couldn't help myself. So, you know, fortunately, um, I'm not afraid to, to reach out to people that I know and trust and, and, and who I know love me and care about me. And, and Dan and I, you know, at any given day, um, either he was crying or I was crying. And, uh, and so, you know, we'd call each other, okay, whose turn is it to cry today? Um, and so we, we really supported each other a lot through this and mm. as well as other hypnotists hard, it was really, really hard, um, to, mm. to be able to do that, but it's, and, and I guess, you know, really, if anybody's going to take anything away from this, this is why you guys are doing this podcast is to show that, you know, we're, even though we think we're on an Island when we're in our own territory, doing our own clients, working in our own practice, virtually online, all by myself in my house, Mm. I still have, I still have you, Nicole. I still have Anthony. I still have all the other listeners to fall back on and to say, Hey, I need help too. Can you give me a session? Yeah. Um, I'll give you one, you know, can yeah. we, can you slap me back into shape? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 And it's, it's so important. I think it's so important to, to be able to do that and, and, you know, to, to be able to reach out to colleagues and or friends, colleagues, you know, other people in industry and people have been so generous with me and, mm-hmm. and vice versa. My door is always open. I think it is, it's so important. Cause as you say, when you're, 
when you're in that pain, it's so hard to, to, you know, you, it's, it's hard to bring yourself out and we just need Mm -hmm. that other person's perspective, even if it's just as a soundboard. I mean, I've phoned Anthony before. I'm like, I just need you to listen to me. I just need to get this out of my mind because I can't Mm -hmm. sort through it on my Mm -hmm. own. Mm. Yeah. That's actually how this podcast started was Nicole and I supporting each other. We would get together once a week for three or four hours and support each other on anything that we needed support with. And it just, it blossomed mm-hmm. into this. Um, and, and, I, and I do, I think that that's really important that we need to be able to share our gifts with each other because if we want to seed our communities with the kind of people that we're, we're wanting to see out there in the world, we need to be those kind of people. And we need to practice what it is that we preach, I, I believe. Um, and the only way that we can really do that, I believe, we, we want our clients to be vulnerable. We need to allow ourselves to be vulnerable as well. You know, Anthony, uh, you know, I, I, I really appreciate what the two of you are doing here. And, and again, to our listeners that are tuning into this podcast, know this too. Um, sometimes it's scary to reach out to somebody, especially if you don't know them very well. But I want to kind of back this up a little bit. Anthony, I, I really don't remember even the first time we first talked, but I know it's not like we hang out all the time. It's not, I mean, I see you at a conference here and there, but you know, here's the thing. Anthony um, reached out to me to do this podcast a while ago. And really the longest conversations I had with Anthony before this was in, when he was shipping stuff to my house for HypnoThoughts. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I am sort of the shipping and receiving guy for HypnoThoughts <laughs> since I live in Vegas and I have a garage. So when everybody's sending their, 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 their swag bag items, Anthony, uh, what, what did you send? I forgot what it was. Did you I send? did the mints, mints this year. Yeah. You did the mints. Yes. You did the boxes of mints. Yeah. And so I get this message from Anthony one day and he goes, I got a bu- bunch of boxes of mints come to your house. I'm like, all right, okay, cool. And I'm like, who is this guy? I don't know. Oh, yeah, Anthony. That's right. Okay. And so, and we, we talked a little bit back and forth on messenger and I said, Hey dude, they need to be refrigerated. Let me know. I'll take care of them for you. And, and I really think, you know, even though we don't know each other that well, then later on when he said, hey, would you like to be on this podcast? I'm like, yeah, I don't even think about the answer. Yeah, of course I would, because we have an instant friendship. And I know, Nicole, we're going to be besties, too, um, because, you know, quite honestly, I think you're nicer than Anthony. But anyway, I just didn't want to bring that up, but I'm going to do it now and just say that you know, you're is. nicer looking than Anthony. And uh, but um but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say that, Anthony, you need some work on that a little bit. Okay. You need to, you need to, you need to take up the game a little bit here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So maybe throw me an extra box of, box of mints next year or something or something. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> no, seriously, I, you know, I, I, I have a natural affinity for other hypnotists and we just, we're instant friends. I know that I can go anywhere, anytime, any place in the world. And if there's another hypnotist there, we'll meet, we'll have a drink, we'll have lunch, and we'll be best friends by the time the conversation is done. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think this is what it's all about. You know, it's, it's, we, you know, we, we make a profession out of supporting other people and, and we need to support with support each other, be, be a community, be a family. And, and that's one of the most, I think that's, it's, it's such a beautiful thing. And I, I'm very much about collaboration. This can, you know, if you're, if you're self-employed, it can be really, it can be a really lonely place sometimes. And it, you know, if you're working with clients one-on-one all the time, it can be a very lonely journey. And so for, I know that I really struggled with it when I, when I was beginning and there was a lot I didn't know. There's a lot I still don't know. I'm, you know, I'm still learning every day. And, and this podcast is an amazing opportunity to connect with, with brilliant people like yourself to, to gain insight and wisdom, but I need collaboration. I need to, I need other people around me and, and we need to build that, you know, you, if that's, your kind of if, if that's your reality that you need other people around you you have to go out and and, and also find those people and, and and create that absolutely 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 and so how many proposals are did you get in for hypno thoughts coming up because i know you've, you're going to be doing you're you're always a big part of that um and nicole's actually going to be there this year yay yeah <laughs> what nice that's so exciting. I'm so excited. You're going to, is this your first year at hypno thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited. Yeah. She oh, and I are going to take a little a road trip. We, we will have a good time. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever been to Las Vegas before? When I was about, uh, I think I must've been about 13 or 12. I don't know if I was 12 or something like that. 
<laughs> it's been a while. It was just maybe five, six years, five, six years ago, probably <laughs> something like that, maybe. Or um, yes, okay, good. So you're about well, like 22, 23 now. I don't know. That's um, right. So, I remember um, the. You're I, gonna love it. Here's what I remember about Michael this year with his conversation oh, with God. what he's talking about right now. Now I remember what stuck with me about Michael this year at Hypno Thoughts. The same time Hypno Thoughts was running this year, there was like this teen girl, preteen girl, um, uh, like beauty contest thing going on up at the same hall as us. That's right. And Michael was always in the hallway. Um, that's what stuck with my mind. That's right. <laughs> you keep talking about these college girls. I'm like, why does I'm like, why does I keep pop? I'm like, that's right. All those little girls were there and he was just hanging out in the hallway all, all, all weekend. Um, that does I'm not teasing, sound good. Yeah. I, I was teasing, yeah. That was going to say, was I driving a white van or something? Right. When that it, happened, it was or, yeah, a dirty white van you know, with carpet on the inside yeah, and Twix. Ex um, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Fabulous. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I, you know, my my favorite saying is never take candy from a stranger unless he offers you a ride first. Uh, so um, I'll wait for that to sink in. Yeah, and no, you know, yeah, I love kids. I love kids, though. See, kids are great. Um, you know, because they're they're just so full of energy, and and there's so much you can learn from watching how kids behave. Because honestly, I mean, and, you know, and I think Anthony, you're like this too. I don't know yet enough about you, Nicole, but when I see you in Vegas, I'll know if this is true for you too. Is that Anthony and I are really adults, but we're trapped, or we're we're actually children trapped in adults' bodies. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. because we refuse to grow up, I'm about twelve. Uh, I'm just in a fifty-six-year-old guy's body. And I act about 12 most of the time. So unless I have to be serious with a client or something, but, um, you know, I think that's, that's what really is inspiring about working with kids. And I've worked with over a million high school kids in the last wow. 28 years, a million. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, what's and funny about that? 29 different states. Yeah. Wow. 29 different states. The reason I recognize that Michael was sitting out there watching all this is because guess what I was doing? I was watching everybody else watch all of this because I love to people watch because that's how I learn. I, I get so much from watching, from just mm. watching how people interact with each other. Mm. You know, I mean, talk about a way to get insights to help other people is to watch how they just interact with each other. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, I was sat in a cafe the other day, just, um, just having a, having a tea. Absolutely. And just sitting there watching people, listening to their conversations, not even on my phone. I was on my own and I was thinking, I must be really weird because I'm not on my phone. I'm just sitting here on my own and I'm just listening to other people's conversations. <laughs> you know, normally you're sitting there on your own having a cup of tea. You, it's almost like a it's almost like a social law now that you have to be on your phone, right? Or something like that. You can't just be sitting there. You can't be disengaged because mm -hmm. if you're not, if you're not into something, well, what's wrong with that person? Yeah. Yeah. I, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, you were going to so love hypnothons. We're going to have a blast in Vegas. Get there early, a few days early, stay a few days late um, because you got to experience the true, the true splendor of Las Vegas. And by then we'll be fully open again. And I, I know we will. So for sure. I'm so excited. Well, I love being hypnotized. <laughs> we could do that too. There'll be enough of us around to do that. I think you. Yeah. <laughs> we, had, um, we had Tracy Gray on as a guest a while back and she did a little mentalism trick on me and I was just like, oh, this is so exciting. <laughs> yeah. Tracy is phenomenal. She is such a sweetheart. Oh my gosh. She's, she's great. Um, she, she read my mind and parts we can't really discuss. <laughs> um, because the FCC frowns upon those kind of visions and, and images. And uh, no, uh, she, she, she's great. I love Tracy. Yeah, she was yeah. a lot of fun. I think, you know, I think Michael knows everybody actually who's been on our, on our, uh, who have, who have decided to join us and we've got, yeah, it's been really exciting. This is starting to take off even more because people like you are getting involved in supporting it. We have even more people willing to jump on board and support. We've got Mike Mandel coming up. We've got, you know, Steve Rome, a bunch of really great people in the industry. And it's, it's nice to have that kind of a community to support this. So thank Absolutely. you for, for joining us. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, well, you know, it's my pleasure. I mean, anything for you guys, whatever you need, you just let me know. So I just want to, I want to ask you, you, I'm looking on your website and you say that in your, in your private, um, not in your private, sorry, in your clinical work, you combine hypnosis with life coaching. Yes. So tell us a bit, um, tell us a bit more know, about that. Sure. Um, you know, it's interesting because a lot of, uh, a lot of what we do in hypnosis um, could be sort of looked at as life coaching. And so I, I, I really wanted a title to assign to that. Mm. Um, and I wanted, you know, a certification to assign to that. Um, because, you know, in hypnosis, we, we don't just do the voodoo and witchcraftery of swinging the pocket watch and getting you deep into trance. Not that we do that anyways, but, you know, it's not just about trance work. It's about waking hypnosis too. Mm -hmm. So everything is hypnotic in the process from the second they walk into your office or log into your Zoom room to have their session. Everything you say and do is or should be hypnotic and should have some sort of suggestion to it that's going to help them out and help them reach their goals. So the talking part of it, I didn't want clients to think, oh, he just talks a lot. Oh, and then when are we going to get to the swing in the pocket watch? And when my eyes turn into spirals and lightning bolts shoot out of his fingertips part. Um, and I didn't want them to think that the talking part didn't have a reason and a purpose to it. But during that whole talking part, the coaching part, uh, as we call it, the life coaching part, there's hypnotic languaging built into everything that I do. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted a title assigned to it. So it made sense to people that are not hypnotists that they really thought, okay, oh, there's coaching and then there's hypnosis. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like in the work that we do with, uh, with control specifically is that I, I don't remember who I was, we had a, a, a recommended practitioner meeting today and I was telling someone that, you know, with, with the work that I do, that first session that we do is generally about an hour, but I'm only doing, you know, I used to spend 25 minutes doing hypnosis or traditional trance work. Now I spend 45 minutes having a conversation with the folks and I spend 10 minutes doing the actual transformational work because of the way that control works. And it's just, it's made it so much easier for the client because by the time I've, I've sat there and bullshitted with them for 45, they think I'm bullshitting with them. Right. And the whole time I'm dropping these insights and we're creating all of this environment for change and this motivation. And then we sit there and we do the 10 minutes of real impactful work and, and their whole life is different. Right. And, and, and it's, it's, it's made it so much more enjoyable to have that, that fun part at the beginning. And I make sure that they recognize that that's all part of what it is that they're there for. Well, it's the inclusion of the client, isn't it? Rather than yeah. rather than it being the sort of the passivity, it's 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 the inclusion and 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 yeah of the client in the work. Yeah, it's making the client the most important person in the room. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and and yes. it's all about them. It's all about them. And and Anthony, I think you know you could tell me if this is true for you as well, but you know, that 45 minutes of bullshitting with them, that talky talky time, as I call it with them, is when we're creating expectations of what they can get out of the session, as well as we're doing the waking trance work. Yeah. And I know for me, that even before we do the formal, as I tell my clients, before we do the formal, you know, I swing the pocket watch, you go deep into hypnosis and I control your mind part, um, which I, you know, they know that I'm joking when I say that, um, yeah. cause I'm not going to control their mind, but, but even before we start the trance work, they, they have that epiphanous moment where they experience the transformation. And so right before I put them into trance, I will ask them this question. So when do you think the hypnosis started? Right. And they're like, uh, shit, I don't know. Maybe it's when I walked in the room. Maybe it's before when I called you to set up the appointment. Maybe it's like 10 minutes ago. And they really can't answer that question. And I don't answer it for them either. I just say, I don't know when it started for you, but look at you've already experienced change. Mm -hmm. And we haven't even done the swing in the pocket watch yet. And right. so, and then when you do it, when I, I tell them, so now let's do the traditional hypnosis where I cement these new ideas and these new beliefs in your mind. So yeah. they'll never go away then. And yeah. boom, the deal is done then. Right. All I have to do next is validate their parking and they are ready to go.
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you but, know, and uh, it makes oh. it so much easier, I think, than that old, for me, the way that I was taught of you've got to sit down, you've got to have a 35-minute a pre-talk and explain about all the shit that's not going to happen and that will never happen. And, you know, mm. I, I don't do any of that anymore. I just, I don't bother with it. It's it's not, people are like, oh my God, well, then how do you, how do your clients know? I'm like, because I'm talking with them for 45 freaking minutes. Yeah. about what we're going to be doing and about these changes and about this and that they're just expecting that what they're not expecting anything unsafe to happen mm. right why would i want to plant that right yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely um the only the only thing i mentioned to them is that you know if they hear any noises other than my voice and the music i'm playing in the background it's not going to disturb them, distract them or bother them it's just going to help me go deeper in hypnosis that's just a standard suggestion i give them because there's always going to be noises i mean i work i work in stage i work at fairs they always put mm -hmm. the stage hypnosis stage right next to the lumberjack sawing contest or the right. big yeah, races always next or the to the cow carnival ride they have I mean, seriously, I mean, can you make any more freaking noise while I'm trying to do a show? It doesn't matter, though. The volunteers are focused on what's happening. And so the same thing in your office, if they hear a noise, they know what that noise is, you know? Yeah. And and so we don't, like you said, Anthony, our pre-talk has changed over the years. We're not trying to convince people in our pre-talk that hypnosis is real and it's going to work and nothing bad is going to happen to them. Instead, we're helping them build expectation of all the yeah. goodness that's coming to them. Yeah. 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 My, Michael, how do you get away? Because obviously you, you've got such a strong, um, strong presence in, in the stage industry. How do you get away from that kind of stigma of mind control when, when people come to you, if people come to you through the shows or something like that, if people have found you through your stage work, how do you get away from that stigma? Oh, Nicole, that is the best question of the day. And I will tell you this. Um, I get most of my clinical clients because I am a stage hypnotist. Mm -hmm. And so, and they will come, they will come to me often and they will say this. And again, I got to straighten them out, but they will say it just like this. You know, I saw your show and I saw what you made those people do up there and how you controlled their mm -hmm. minds. And I know you can make my, make me quit smoking. or I know you can help me out. I know you can make me a better speaker or whatever. And they say all those things in that very bad language. And I say, look, here's the reality. I didn't make them do anything. They wanted to do those things. I just suggest them like, watch, raise your hand. And they raise their hand always when I have them raise their hand. And I go, why'd you raise your hand? And they go, because you asked me to raise my hand. I go, that's right. And I did it too when I was asking you to, so it didn't make it any, anything weird or crazy, did it? And, and, and most of my clients come to me because I'm a stage hypnotist. And so they, and if they don't come to me for that reason, I let them know I'm a stage hypnotist, but when working in the office here, um, I am not going to, uh, make it look like a chicken, bark, like a dog or sing like Elvis. I don't even do those things in my show. So honestly, you know, um, it, and it, we're here to work on you. And so I diffuse that right off the bat if they're, if they feel a little bit weird about it, but every single person that comes to see me knows I'm a stage hypnotist and that's always to the benefit because they also think of it this way. If I can work with 12 people or 15 people at once on stage, working with one person is easy. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I mean, it's like, you know, Nicole, when I think about it, when I, the stage thing is such a huge such a huge hand or, 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 or ring on the ladder, ring up on the ladder when it comes to doing change work because of the fact that they've seen this in front of all of these people. And yeah. I mean, that's what, you know, like I say, with the consultation that we do in control, that's one of the reasons I push that so hard, even with our students, is that we need to be able to make sure that you can stick someone's hand to a desk that you can create phenomena because that is what hypnosis is in their mind. We need to be able to demonstrate that we are in fact the professional and yes, we can do this. And look, it's your thoughts that have created that, that reality that your hand is stuck there and it's only going to take a snap of the fingers to undo that. Right. So we can do that with all of your thoughts. Right. And so we can use that to our benefit. And you stage hypnotists have definitely got a hand up in that in, in that area for sure. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're big on the phenomenon. And, and you know, and even in the office, too, I'll do some suggestibility tests that are that are fun and, and simple and goofy and, and silly. But 
it always proves the point to the client that they made it happen in their own mind and their own imagination really like that happen then imagine the greatness they're going to be able to accomplish when they really put their mind to it yep yeah. yep for sure well now and on that front well, you know, we have one more. I have a thing that I would like. We we do this with with just about everybody. We missed it with Doctor Nongar with, with with Richard, and I don't know how he got away with with not being dumped on this one. But we like to have everybody talk about something that has taken place um, with a client or just within their business that didn't work out so well for them. And 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 isn't that about right, Nicole? Isn't that about sum it up? Yeah, I, the point of this being a learning curve. Right, right, <laughs> yes. right. Not not just a massive fail, like a learning curve. <laughs> like this taught me I would never mm. do this again. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Great question. You wanted me to talk about uh, sort of an, uh, uh, not really an epic failure, but a learning process. Well, like I told you, when I moved to Vegas, uh, I didn't want to have an office. I, I wanted to be true to just doing online hypnosis so I could be much more mobile. And so about a year after moving to Vegas, um, Richard Nongard called me and I, and I love impersonating Richard because he's a trusted friend. And if you can't have fun and make fun of your friends, what good are they? Right. Cause I know all my friends make fun of me. So the phone rang and, and I answered it and he said, Michael DeShalich, we need to get an office together. And I said, well, Richard, why in the world would we do that? And he goes, it'll be fun. I'm like, okay, well, um, he goes, and I wanted, you know, you do trainings. I do trainings. Uh, Martin Castor Peterson does trainings and Kevin Cole does trainings. Well, Kevin Cole lives in Vegas. And I said, I know Richard. And he said, so we'll get Kevin, you and I, and we'll get Martin Castor Peterson in on this deal too. And I said, okay, well, Martin lives in like Denmark though. So that's a long drive for him. And he goes, yes, but he comes to Vegas all the time to do trainings. So we're going to get an office that has a training room and a clinical room where we could see clients and do trainings all at the same time. And I said, wow, Richard. And I lost my mind for a second. And I said, yeah, that sounds great. And I went, oh, what was I thinking? And so we rented this office and then, um, and then we decided we would have a painting party. Dan Kendall was coming into town because he and I were going to do a training. So I picked him up at the airport. I told him, bring old clothes. Uh, so I have a surprise for him. So I picked him up at the airport um, and I brought him to the office. I said, change in your own clothes. I said, we're painting today. So it was Richard and my wife and Richard's wife, Mia and Kevin and, and Dan. And we were all there painting. Martin didn't show up to paint because, well, he lives in Denmark. So anyways, it was too far. And so, so we did a painting party. Ironically, and I'll speed up the end of the story to this and say this out of the, oh yeah, we, we had the office for three months and then the pandemic hit and we could not use the office. And so Richard called me and he says, so do you think we can get out of the lease? And I said, I don't know. Talk to the landlord. And he goes, I will talk to the landlord about this. He goes, because, you know, realistically, not one of us ever got to really use the office. And I said, I know Richard, because I've just been paying money for nothing that I could use. And he said, well, there was one person that got to use the office. And I said, yeah, I know, Dan Candell. Dan wasn't even on the lease. He got to use the office. He saw a client while he was in Vegas. So we rented an office for three months for Dan Candell to see a client. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so the moral of the story is don't rent an office when Richard calls you and says, Michael DeShallot, I have a great idea. Let's rent an office. <laughs> and I say that with love to Richard. I love Richard and Mia and his whole family. Um, it was a great experience. Uh, it would have been a grand office. It would have been great for a training room. We got let out of the lease. We didn't get, you know, financially harmed in any way. And it would, it would have been fun, I'm sure. Uh, and then Richard moved to Texas. So I will never, ever, ever rent an office with Richard Nongard ever again, even though I great love him. Story. <laughs> yes. Great story. Yes. Great story. And Stay at least Yes. At least yeah, you all stay, got stay to paint true. together. Yes, yeah, and we got to paint together, which I found out um, Richard is not a painter. <laughs> just saying, just saying, just saying, just saying, just throwing that out there, just throwing that out there. <laughs> um, but uh, Richard is a very good supporter, though. Richard is a supporter. He filled our paint buckets all day long and gave us nourishments and snacks and actually hand fed us while we were painting. So nice. Richard. Richard is Richard is the most supportive person I know. So that's, right that's, a, that's a great job. Guy. That's a great job. Yes. Yeah. That's a great, great part of the, the painting. Yeah. Painting so the, yeah. So the moral of the story is be true to how you want to run your practice. 
Mm. And if you don't want to get an office and you want to do it online, don't get an office, do it online. If you don't want to do it online, get an office. Mm. Um, If you want to do a mixture of both, be true to what your calling is and how you can best serve your clients mm-hmm. uh, and represent the profession. And, and importantly, too, how you can best serve yourself and respect and honor yourself, too, in the process. So yeah. if there's a serious moral, but I must get serious every now and then because Richard Nongard told me to be serious every now and then. well but no those are great words of wisdom i mean you know and that's a perfect way thank you uh michael for joining us today and and we plan on on being able to have you on again um maybe is what we'll do is nicole and i will will record at hypno thoughts next year and we'll have a bunch of people on in 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 a big old party room (laughs) yeah that would be fun uh we can we can have cocktails and we can uh-huh. uh, uh you know we could we could just have a great old time i think you know what could pop here's what i always say what could possibly go wrong it's vegas right um or or our our saying you know people people think our saying is what happens in vegas stays in vegas it's really not that it's our saying is this welcome to vegas you want to do that that's a horrible idea what time <laughs> so that's our real saying right there. So it's a horrible idea. What time? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. Uh, Michael, it's been so great to meet you, to get to know you a little bit. Um, I will be getting into contact with you um, for further conversations. Um, and we will put your links in the show notes for people to find you if they want to get in contact with you. Thank you so, so much for taking the time out of your schedule to be here with us. Well, thank you guys very much too. And um, I know Anthony and I have a have a history. We know each other. Um, Nicole, uh, we just met today. I I know we're going to be besties, and I know I will see you at Hypnothoughts. It's going to be fun. And and you know the reality of it is that every hypnotist that I come into contact with, every hypnotist that I've ever met and ever know, my life is more full and more enriched because of people like you guys. Right on. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michael. Thanks for listening to the Hypnotic Healers podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and follow us on Facebook. You can also join our mailing list at hypnotichealers.com.